under his hand, talking about being under God's hand, being under God's care. I have two verses that I want to focus on. Maybe before that, uh, just give you a little bit of the gist of the message. It's set in the book of Job. I want to use Job as kind of the backdrop for the message, and I'll be referring to Job throughout the message and other scriptures. It seems like God's people are facing pressures and trials and uncertainties and tragedies like never before. You know, some are short-term and some are ongoing. And I think we can hopefully identify with Job. And uh, it would be good for you sometime, maybe this season of the year, just to read the book of Job. And it gives a wonderful setting for that. And so I'd like to use two verses this morning kind of as a text verse. And you don't really need to turn to them, but the, the, the verse out of Job is Job 23.10. It says, But he knoweth the way that I take, and when he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. There's three components in this verse that we should keep in focus. <clears throat> that we should always remember, whether it's Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday, whatever we're facing during the week, God knows the way that I take. He knows what I'm doing. He knows what I'm thinking. He knows what I'm maybe scheming, if, we, if it's all right to use that word. We shouldn't be scheming, but sometimes we're trying to rationalize through things. And we also should keep in focus that when he hath tried me, there's something going to happen at the end if we're faithful to him. And this verse says he's come forth as gold. Now the other verse I like to keep in harmony with this verse is from 1 Peter 5, verse 6. Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. You know, when God's hand is a hand of protection, God's hand is a hand of, of correction, and, and God's hand can bless us in so many ways. And, and uh, Sheldon's second song this morning, I don't know if you noticed, that uh, talked a lot about being under, under God's care in various ways. And if we humble ourselves before God, Regardless of the situation we're going through, it says that he will exalt you in due time. And that's what happened at the end of Job's life. <clears throat> so I'd like to look at Job's response to suffering. Job suffered a number of tragedies, and his response to devastation was worship. And he recognized that God was the giver of all blessings and he recognized the sovereignty of God realizing that God had the privilege to take the blessings away and he had no obligation to give us to him in the first place Job or ourselves and Job declares blessed be the name of the Lord so I'd like to look at Job as he initially grapples with the tragedy Maybe not initially grapples with the tragedy, but later on as he grapples with his tragedy, what his responses are. And also look at what Job's character was 
before this happened, and his responses after it happened was that he worshipped. His attitude was the Lord gave. His, the next thing he said, the Lord takes away, and blessed be the name of the Lord was his conclusion. So turn with me first all to Job uh, chapter 23. Job 23. And you'll remember that Job, after his tragedies, he had his three friends come to visit him. And there's a, a lot of dialogue between the beginning of the book of Job till Job 23. And in Job 22, Eliphaz... <coughs> Just spouts off a good bit. And he said that Job's wickedness is so great. And he said the iniquities are endless. So it was implying that, that Job's was continuing to sin. And he, it was just piling up on him. And I think it's interesting to note what Job says in Job 23. Let's look at Job 23, 1 to 12. With that background in mind, that they're, they're harping on his sins and his iniquities. They're blaming him because of, his own, of the tragedies that he's experienced. And Job says, even today is my complaint uh, bitter. My stroke is heavier than my groaning. And I think you and I have faced this situation as well. We could identify it as Job and talking about God. Oh, that I knew where I might find him and that I might come even to his seat. And what, he's, what the thought here is, I believe he's saying, I just wish I could come before God and explain to him the real facts and have him understand what my situation is really like. And he goes on to say, I would order my calls before him and fill my mouth with arguments. And I should know the words which he should answer me and understand what he should say unto me. And so there would be an intelligent interchange here as he was present before God. And they would both understand each other. <clears throat> and then he kind of raises a question in verse 6. He said, would he, talking about God, would he plead against me with his great power? No, he would put strength in me. And that's a tremendous faith that you see Job had even in the midst of his questions, in the midst of his wanting to talk to God. He goes on to say, therefore the righteous might dispute with him, so I would deliver him forever from my judge. Behold, I would go forward and, but he's not there, and backwards, and I cannot perceive him. On the left hand, where he doth work, but I cannot behold him, and he hideth himself on the right hand, that I cannot see him. And he still goes on with these questions, but at the core of his being is that he believes that God would put strength in him. And if you want to look at three verses, three verses in the book of Job is the reason 
why Job made it, I believe. And it's the next three verses is why he made it through everything. He says, but he knoweth the way that I take, and when he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. And so the next verse says what he was doing. He said, my foot hath held its steps, and I have kept, his way have I kept and not declined. Through all this ridicule, through all the accusations of his friends, he's saying, I held my steps in God's ways. And verse 12 says, Neither have I gone back from the commandment of his lips. I've esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Now, if, if we can practice those three verses like Job did, I think it's going to give us victory when we face trials and struggles and temptations. You know, even Job was an upright man and he feared God. But these tragedies had a big impact on him. And his trouble was great. And he felt at times he couldn't find God. But I think he still reverted back to these three verses. That he knew God was in the process with him. And he, he made a determination he was going to stay in God's ways. And he esteemed God's words more than his food that he needed to live. And that's a challenge to us. <clears throat> now I'd like to go back to chapter 1 and look what it says about Job before this tragedy had hit. And <clears throat> that's another testimony of Job. We should not wait till tragedy hits and then try to strengthen ourselves in the Lord. I mean, we can, and that's all right, but we're going to be better off if we can prepare ourselves, if we can be walking with God ahead of the tragedies. As it says in verse 1, that he was a man that was perfect, upright, one that feared God and eschewed evil. You know, he. That was, that was the testimony. It goes on to list his substance. You know, he had 7,000 sheep. He had 3,000 camels. He had 500 yoke of oxen. Does anyone know how many uh, acres a yoke of oxen could plow in a day? I think it was about one acre that one yoke of oxen could plow. So potentially he could plow 500 acres a day. It says he was the greatest man in the East. He had a very great household, servants. Notice what it's, and, and you've heard me talk about this on a Father's Day message already, about his spiritual concern for his family. It says in verse 5, And it was so when they were feasting and had gone... And were gone about that Job sent and sanctified them and rose early in the morning and offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, It may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. And thus did Job continually. That's another characteristic of Job. He, had, he, wanted, he didn't say, you know, my children have left home. They have houses of their own. 
and that I have no more responsibilities for them. He says that he, he uh, <clears throat> was, and he didn't even know that they'd sinned either. He said it may be that they have sinned. And so he offered sacrifices in their behalf. And a few of the things that really impressed me is that he uh, had a great household of servants. And I would think that since he was the greatest man in the East, he was busy. But he personally offered the sacrifices and he didn't ask his servants to go down there and do that for him on his behalf. But he took personal responsibility. And he didn't do it once a year either. He did it continually. And this is the kind of man that Job was when tragedies struck him. Okay, now I want to look at the, how he, he worshipped. It says that Job worshipped. This was his response to tragedy. And this was a response that that he did almost immediately. <clears throat> what is our response? Do we want to complain? Or do we want to look around and blame someone else for the, the uh, troubles that we're experiencing? Well, his wife pretty much encouraged him to throw in the towel, curse God and die. Wouldn't that, wouldn't that a sad companion to have at this time? And uh, when, uh, when something has happened to our companion, we, we should be there to encourage them. Psalm 95 talks about worship. Oh, come, let us, Psalm 95, 6 and 7. Oh, come, let us worship. Bow down and let us kneel before our Maker. He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture, the sheep of His hand today, if you will hear His voice. In this context, it's telling us that he's the shepherd, we're the sheep, and we need to bow down and worship before him. And when we're worshiping before him, we are hearing his voice. We have blotted out all the other distractions. <clears throat> um, also, when we're worshiping, we're worshiping God in spirit and in truth. We're rejoicing in Jesus Christ, his son, and the salvation he's provided. And as it says in Philippians uh, 3, our citizenship is not in this world. It says our conversation is in heaven from which we also look for the Savior and the Lord Jesus Christ. And I think that's a key. When we're worshiping God, we're bowing down before his presence. And we have no confidence in ourselves, no confidence in the flesh, no confidence in our accomplishments or our wealth. And, and Job apparently worshiped God in that way. Another thing as we face situations that are undesirable uh, or we feel that God where is God where is he and we hear silence and you know we, we beseech God continually well where is he what's the answer to my situation 
In Genesis 18:25 it says, "Shall not the judge of all the earth do right?" And we can have confidence that God is doing right. We can have confidence and this is why I believe sometimes God is silent in our situations because he wants our faith to grow and increase and trust in him that will not the judge of all the earth do right. Also, um, as we're worshiping, uh, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. says, Blessed be the God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the God of mercies and the God of all comfort. It says, Who comfort us in all of our tribulations, that we may be able to comfort him which are in any trouble, by the comfort which in we ourselves are comforted of God. And we see this, that God is the God of all comfort. And it talks about all of our tribulations, and it talks about one reason that we face tribulations is that we can comfort others in their journey of life. Then Job's uh, next response after worship, he acknowledged that God gave I like to turn to John 3.16 when we're thinking about what God gave. It says that he gave his only begotten son. And did you ever think about that this verse also talks about heaven, talks about hell. It says that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, and that's hell, but have everlasting life. God gave us the opportunity to go to heaven by giving to us his son. And we could go to Genesis where it talks about how God created man out of the dust and out of the earth. And he breathed into man and he became a living soul. Shows what God gave And God planted a garden for man to live in, providing for his physical needs, even though he he does that even today. He cares for us in so many ways. Turn to Lamentations uh, 20, Lamentations chapter 3, verses 19 to 24. Lamentations 3, 19 to 24. The writer here is, is a break into verse 19. He said, Remembering my affliction and my misery, the wormwood and the gall. Remembering experiences of the past. My soul hath them still in remembrance and is humbled in me. And he says, this I recall to mind, therefore have I hope. It is of the Lord's mercies that were not consumed, and his compassions fail not. 
And they're new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore will I hope in him. You know, the Lord daily loadeth us with benefits, and that's happening on the day that you have trouble. That's happening on the day that you have reverses. That's happening on the day that you say you're having a bad day. He still loaded you up with more benefits than you can use. And the last phrase there in verse 20, or the verse 24, I think has the idea that he daily bears our burdens. And we could go on and on talking about what the Lord gives us. Let's... Um, Look at some of the reasons maybe of Job's response. Third response is that the Lord hath taken away. And Job had a graphic illustration of, why, of what the Lord took away. Second Chronicles 33.12. Second Chronicles 33.12. This has to do with Manasseh, who was king of Judah. And this is the context of the Lord taking away. It says that Manasseh, in verse 9 of chapter 20 of 33, that Manasseh made Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem to err and to do worse than the heathen whom the Lord had destroyed before the children of Israel. And so the Lord took him away to Babylon. And notice what his response was when he was in Babylon. And he was carried away and he was in chains. It says in verse 12, And when he was in affliction, he besought the Lord his God, humbled himself greatly before the God of his fathers. And I think we find that in our lives at times. We get caught up in the normal routines. We get caught up in our drives, in our ambitions, in our goals. And sometimes the Lord has brings situations that stop us and, and humbles us. Really, when God takes something away, it was... He didn't have to give it to us in the first place. You know, in Timothy, it talks about when we have food and raiment, therewith be content. And I would like to challenge us, anything we have beyond that is the blessing of the Lord. And we have no promise that we can keep it. And one of the reasons that he, he humbles us at times, is, is a way of chastening. And so turn to Hebrews chapter 12. We'll look at chastening a little bit, as in the context of the Lord taketh away. <clears throat> Hebrews 12, 5 to 11. Hebrews 12, 5 to 11. And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My sons, despise not the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. 
For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every one whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the, the Father chasteneth not? For if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons. Furthermore, we have had our fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be subject unto the Father of spirits and live? For verily, for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit, that he might be partakers of his holiness. Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yielded the peaceful fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. <clears throat> it's our natural desire to draw back from correction. It was that way when we were children. And, you know, we, we drew back. We didn't look forward to it, that's for sure. One time when I was a boy, I, I f knew that there was a cake in the freezer, and I don't remember what occasion it f was for, but I knew it was really a good cake. It was probably the best cake at that time that I had ever eaten. So I, I got a piece, and then later it was... I was somehow thought to be the guilty one. And so I was really chastised for that. And uh, I still remember it. And you see that in, in our physical context, we, we remember that. And so when, when God is bringing chastisement into our lives in whatever way, it's, it's for our good. You know, our parents sometimes may have of give us punishment just uh, so we'd be quiet or, or accommodate them more. But God is doing it for our own good, for our own eternal welfare, for our profit, for our righteousness. And you know, wouldn't it be sad if, if we would miss that opportunity? You know, God may have may be chastening us for, to make sure that we will be in heaven. Shouldn't we profit and shouldn't we uh, listen to God's chastening? Because we can claim the promise. It says that no chastenings is joyous, but it's grievous. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceable, peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. In other words, we, when we benefit from God's chastening, then we have the peaceable fruit of righteousness. <clears throat> then the last thing that Job said was, blessed be the name of the Lord in, in this context. So turn to Psalm 103. thinking about blessing God. <clears throat> so this morning we're talking about being under God's hand. And I, I, as we go through each day, we should remember that we under, are under God's hand. 
and that God works through other people to give us comfort, to give us direction. You know, recently we were in Louisiana for a couple weeks with CAM, and one of the one of the fellow staff members there said, you know, every time I sign up for CAM, I, I get kind of, what was the word he used? He kind of gets uh, apprehensive. apprehensive, right. He, he, doesn't under, he wonders if he did the right thing by signing up. Is he going to get out here in the field and find stuff he don't know how to handle or hardships. You see, when you sign up with CAM and, and go off on a week or two, you don't know who necessarily who the rest of the staff's going to be. You don't know who the volunteers are going to be. You don't know who your authorities are going to be. And you do not know the kind of people you're going to face. And I said, you know, I can identify with that. I said, you know what? The devil is making you feel that way. You know, to... But we need to remember that we are under God's care. And we have found when we're on those trips that God blesses us in so many ways with his care. Even this last time, we was in Kentucky, and a police officer pulled us over. We was in a town hunting a motel. And uh, he said, well, you seem like you're lost. I said, well, I'm hunting the motel entrance down here. He said, well, I said, do you know where it is? He said, no. He said, I'm not from around here, but he said, I want to make sure you're taken care of. And you see, see how God was taking care of us. We are under his hand and we're so blessed. And so here in Psalm, we just turned to Psalm 103. And it says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. <clears throat> or another word for bless is praise the Lord. And, and we have special emphasis on that here during the Thanksgiving time. But we should do that all year long. And if our life is living in according to God's will, that also is blessing God. And verse 2 talks about forget not all of his benefits. And you find that throughout Scripture, that we as humans seem to forget the benefits and we focus on the negatives at times. <clears throat> when we was in Louisiana a year ago, we was at a lady's house and she was telling us how it was during the storm and the hurricane. She said her roof was leaking and the wind was howling, and, and, and she said the water filled up in the road and was coming across her yard. Now, she said the roof was already leaking, but she said it would have been devastating if the water came in the front door and flooded the whole house. And she says, I cried out to God that he would stop the water and not let it come into the house. And she said about that time the wind changed, and this wave of water started moving away and went back down in the road. And it did not come in her house. And she, she was experiencing uh, blessings during the time of tragedy. And we can praise God for that. Verse 3 might be something that the uh, faith healers run to. Who forgiveth all thy iniquities and healeth all thy diseases. 
And I read a comment on this, this scripture that this is more of a testimony than a promise. Okay? That, that we, as we bless God. It goes on to talk about his tender mercies, his loving kindness. And he satisfies us with good things. And he makes known the ways to Moses and his acts unto the children of Israel. And he's merciful and gracious and slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. And, re, you know, this is all going on while we're, we're suffering our adversities. And it says, he will not always chide, neither will he keep his anger forever. And in these next few verses, we need to claim that he will not deal with us after our sins, nor reward us according to our iniquities. Do you believe that? For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. And I have, we was talking about numbers today, Mel, and in Sunday school, Brother John Ralph, talking about numbers. Did anybody give a number on how far... Is the heaven above the earth? Had you ever heard that number? That should just bless us. And verse, and then verse 12, As far as the east is from the west, he hath removed our transgressions from us. I like to think of the next few verses as the way God deals with us. He says, like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. You know, the father looks out for the children. He knows that they're not as mature as he is. And he takes that into account. And I believe there's that degree in our relation to our Heavenly Father. And it even goes on to emphasize that God knows in verse 14 that He remembers our frame. He remembers that He formed us out of the dust. And it says He remembers that. He remembers our weaknesses as He deals with us. So in conclusion, he knows just the right time to stop the purifying process and to bring our goal to perfection, and he will exalt us in due time. Shall we sing?